I don't think we met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. It's coming on! Robbie, Robbie, weekly. Little reverse pass. Hello and a very warm welcome to the 42 Rugby Weekly. Hope your week has gone exceptionally well and you're looking forward to the weekend. It is Gavin Casey here and on today's show we're going to chat about Stuart Lancaster's potential departure from Leinster and what that all might mean and we're going to answer the members questions as well about the emerging Ireland tour. As I'm sure you'll understand we won't be discussing the Chris Farrell situation for the simple fact that there are legal proceedings impending in France and For the moment, we only know what you know, which is that Farrell will be stepping back from monster duties until those proceedings reach their conclusion uh, and that they concern his alleged involvement as a witness to an alleged crime while he was a player at Grenoble in 2017. To discuss Lancaster and Emerging Ireland and anything else that pops up along the way is the 42 rugby journalist Murray Kinsler. Murray, how are you? Good Gav, sun's shining where I am and plenty of nice rugby ahead this weekend so spirits are high, how are things? Yeah, pretty good thanks. We had a lot of questions about the Emerging Ireland Tour. It seems to be one that has retained its interest uh, all week really or or since its announcement and uh, we're going to dig into um, that as a concept, uh, some of the players that maybe the coaches might have wished to bring but couldn't uh, and a few... um, just interesting points and questions from our members in the members WhatsApp group. But I think let's start with Lancaster. That's been bubbling away in the background as well all week. Obviously, um, was a bit of a bombshell when it was first reported or it first emerged that he seemed to be on his way to Racing from next season. Can you give us an update firstly as to your understanding of the situation and how close that is to becoming reality? Could Leinster fans still hold on to a bit of hope that he may stay? What's the story? Yeah, I don't I don't think so for, for Leinster fans. It, it is nearing um, him joining Racing. As far as I know, there's no contract signed, but there's further meetings to be had. And they've been courting him for a while now. And we, we've kind of seen this in the French media for a few months, but it really has progressed quite quickly in the last couple of weeks. And yeah, it's looking very likely at this stage without it being confirmed that, that he'll be a Racing 92 coach or director rugby or whatever his role over there is next season um i suppose when the initial rumors started and reports that racing were interested you kind of just expected that leinster would come in get in early with a strong contract offer for whatever that reason that didn't happen whether it was lancaster indicating that he was ready for a new challenge or maybe leinster just dragging their heels a little bit with the with the change going on there not quite sure on that front but um i suppose he's been there it'll have been seven seasons if he leaves next summer and that is probably a longer stint than I expected anyway, because it has been a case of every year Lancaster has been linked away. A lot of English clubs, France before. He's obviously got a um, a kind of worldview and he has interest in, in taking on different challenges. He's been in New Zealand briefly and obviously very open-minded character. So I've almost expected this day to come, but it doesn't make it any more palatable for, for Leinster fans or indeed for Leinster players. From what I'm hearing, the the players are going to be really, really disappointed if if this is finalised and confirmed. They've all grown a massive attachment to him. Even other coaches in the province and, and around the country, he's been really giving of his time and influential in, in that regard and leading seminars, etc., particularly during the lockdown. So he's touched, I, I suppose, all 
whole basis of, of Irish rugby. The players advancing from Leinster into the Ireland camp have always spoken about his influence on them. You can't interview a Leinster player without them talking about what um, Stu, as they call him, or, or Lanny has done for them. Um, he's been just a, a huge influence in, in Irish rugby. He'll hope to finish, obviously, on a high. The the one probably frustration he has is that Leinster have one, only one, just one. It's kind of harsh to say only one, but only one European Cup in his time when they've had the great resources and probably the strongest squad across that time. So that'll be one he, he, he feels probably has to be put right before he um, potentially finishes up next summer. But yeah, it does look, Gav, like it's um, nearing uh, a kind of finalisation of a deal there in Racing. And I know you sort of touched upon it there uh, while discussing his career at Leinster over those six years. But you had an email from Fergal Connolly asking what his legacy would be uh, not only for Leinster, but um, within the context of Irish rugby. So if he is to depart, as we expect he will, uh, how do you think he will be remembered by not only the players to whom you allude there, but fans and Irish rugby fans in general? Yeah, it's probably a character who's given them that lust for development and for open-mindedness as well. It's always interesting to hear players who've worked with him closely talking about how he kind of opens their eyes to what's going on around the world. He might say, watch this game at the weekend, come in on a Monday and I want you to have some opinions on what that team did or what this team did. Um, he's been obviously very um, strong on the, that leadership front of things and, and pushing some of those quieter guys in the Leinster environment to to probably have a voice and, and again you've seen someone like say Gary Ringrose becoming a captain he's doing the captaincy again against Benetton tonight and others have developed that way as I say on the coaching front I think he's had a, a huge influence lots of people I suppose even mimicking his style first of all on a, on a kind of broader picture but also those who have worked with him and, and picked up some of his habits and traits and he has been very good with his time and he's had people into the environment and, and that kind of stuff as well so I think it's it's a really good point that Fergal raises with his question. There is going to be a legacy there. Like I, I look at England and I see his legacy completely in, in the team that A. Jones took to the final of the 2019 World Cup. I think obviously that World Cup didn't go well, but the scale of the criticism was very harsh. I thought he actually did a really good job. Um, I thought he did a really good job with building that squad and, and the fruits of that labour were clear to see and still are clear to see in, in some of the players who are key key guys for, for England. So I think it'll be something similar. Like the players who have worked with him now, who he's developed, will always remember his influence. Yeah, Fergal made that point as well. The Vunipola brothers, uh, Owen mm. Farrell, Joe Marler, George Ford, all Lancaster boys begun their international careers with him. Just looking at it from Leinster's point of view, Murray... I guess, structurally uh, or from a, an administrative standpoint, it is a ball ache as well. And particularly <laughs> because we associate, uh, or I, I guess we, we have this image of Leinster as being incredibly well run. And don't get me wrong, a coach's departure doesn't change that. But it's just been a, a fairly settled coaching staff in Leo Cullen's orbit for the last number of years. Obviously, you've Andrew Goodman coming in this season uh, to replace Felipe Contepomi and Suddenly, if you have Lancaster departing, let's not call it upheaval, but it's just a lot of change for Colin to be dealing with because he'd have to build new partnerships himself, uh, but also for the players. So I don't know if there's really a question at the end of this, but it's more a suggestion, really, that it's just a, a bit of a, 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 a an obstacle, I guess, logistically, isn't it, for all concerned? I think it is upheaval. Like he, he runs the attack and the defence of, of Leinster. He runs every single training session. He deals with players 
one-to-one he has meetings he has development plans for every single one of them it's a complete upheaval I think he's he's been a massive okay. part of the furniture weirdly it feels like he's still relatively fresh in the door I think in a way and that's a credit to him keeping himself fresh and, and pushing things and not becoming stale in, in the role that's a, a big challenge for any coach who's there for uh, more than two or three years and he's done that really well so I do think it is upheaval and, and what happens next is is going to be fascinating like how they rejig this Andrew Goodman as you say has come in as a an assistant coach role I don't think he's a, a bad bet to step up and take more responsibility he did the head coach role in Tasman he was an assistant to Scott Robertson in the Crusaders and he's really highly regarded he's kind of like a Joe Schmidt back when Joe Schmidt arrived he done loads of assistant roles really highly regarded for his IQ and, and rugby intellect I could see him stepping up, taking more responsibility. I could see Johnny Sexton potentially being part of the coaching team. He's obviously due to hang up his boots, although that's maybe um, mm. not 100% um, at the end of this season. But uh, like he's been a coach for years now with Leinster and with Ireland. And I think that's kind of overlooked sometimes when we're dishing out credit for, for coaching. Like He has a massive influence on how both teams attack, defend, how they build game plans. And he's kind of been doing coaching for, for several years he's spoken positively about the possibility of doing that after he retires and I think he just won't be able to resist it like he has too much to offer the game and he has a brain for it and a a, a character for it so there too potential from from within Leo's role will be really interesting he's had a contract at the end of this year he does that rolling one-year contract that's always his um decision and I think the expectation is that that will roll on but um he's kind of shifted away he's still got the head coach tag I think but He's moved away really from that more traditional head coaching role on the pitch. And I could see him being a director of rugby to a head coach potentially in the next ticket. They'll have loads of interest from abroad and outside as well because it's just such an attractive proposition. The quality of the current squad, the academy, what's beneath the academy with five or six different top class academies really in the the schools game, plus the increasing influx of, of club players as well so there'll be big interest from abroad and I think from some really high profile coaches I actually think Scott Robertson would be an incredible fit but he's contracted till 2024 so you'd have to go out and and pay big plus you'd have the issue of you know Leo's Leo Cullen will potentially still be there and and who's who's the boss but uh, I think I think it would be a really nice fit I think he'd bring something different and that will be probably important while you want a certain level of continuity it is going to be a new time like even behind the scenes Mick Dawson is handing over to Shane Nolan as the CEO as I mentioned sex and retiring that kind of stuff there's loads of little bits of change and and I I really don't think upheaval is an unfair word even if it will be a shock that they if they don't continue to be kind of at the forefront of of the game so certainly a bit of uncertainty I guess around it but there's excitement within that as well I think everyone will be gutted to see Stuart Lancaster depart what a coup for for Racing if they get that all confirmed but um, there'll be a new form of Leinster and I would be shocked if it's not a a, a pretty good one again what would be your bet then Leo Cullen Dior Andrew Goodman head coach Johnny Sexton attack coach slash player yeah that has a nice ring to it doesn't it (laughs) I suppose Goodman and Sexton would probably overlap quite a bit there because Johnny would I guess lead attack um, and that's literally just me off the top of my head I haven't heard any murmurings of that although last season there was a suggestion that he could fill in for Felipe Contepomi when he left as a player attack coach um, and yeah. that attack coach role 
Like Stuart Lancaster has run the, say, the phase attack, their shape, their game planning. That's all him. The attack coach with Leinster has been essentially running kind of first phase attack, running those plays, probably some of the counter-attack stuff. So um, Lancaster has had a massive influence over over the whole kind of bigger picture of it. But um, yeah, there, there's kind of initial top of the head thoughts. Um, but there's going to be loads of candidates who come up. I know Tony Brown came up before Leo got the job, actually. Leinster offered him the, the gig and, and he didn't want it at that stage. I'm sure they still have an interest there um, and it'd be fascinating to hear what names kind of pop up out of the woodwork. There's always a few surprises. Just before we move on and chat about Emerging Ireland, to uh, follow up on what you're saying about Sexton already being a coach, can you give us a picture of what that actually looks like on the training ground? I'm actually asking in a sort of a self-indulgent way. I, <laughs> I'm wondering, like, when you say he's already been a coach, is that purely in relation to, say his involvement in game planning, etc., or is he actually hands-on with individual players, teammates, and trying to improve them? Both, I think. I, I really do. Like, he, he's so demanding of others, and, and a lot of it is probably around game plan-specific stuff. So let's take, for example, Ireland's attacking shape, that pot of three. We've discussed the loads in, in this environment. I think Sexton would be someone where the coach lays out their plan in the classroom, and he's immediately asking questions or in fact disagreeing and suggesting actually let's do this bit here let's have a slightly wider running angle from the third forward in the pod and then on the pitch he's correcting those people on the move even during games you can see it at times where he's giving technical feedback you were too flat there I need you to be more of a threat um, you, you need to be more connected to the player inside you that kind of thing so that's happening all the time and, and it also I think more so in the recent years as he's had the captaincy around like just managing personalities kind of like you hear so many little stories here and there about him getting in touch with someone or you know a message here and there just to kind of keep someone on track um even with players who aren't on his own team he's kind of been more influential behind the scenes than any of us could have guessed so i think he has all the hallmarks of a, a brilliant coach watch this space it's going to be really interesting to see how that goes as it will be to watch the emerging ireland tour over the coming weeks Loads of questions on this in the members WhatsApp group, and it is members.the42.ie. If you want to join us in the WhatsApp group, you also get access to our exclusive Monday pods for the 42 members with Murray, Bernard and myself, plus Wednesday pods with Murray and Owen Toolan, plus in test match windows, immediate post-match pods around Ireland games. Here's one to kick us off from Ben. Is this tour worth the disruption disruption the monster in me coming out there worth the disruption we're going to see at provincial level i appreciate it's a new training environment but would the hpcs and games against better quality opposition not be more beneficial for the irish system thanks as always tell you what i'm going to throw that to yourself murray in a couple of moments but we wanted to give a little taste of bernard jackman's feelings on this tour actually Uh, he relayed them on monday's pod they sort of pertain to ben's question here so Here's what Birch had to say, or a sliver of it, I should add, uh, a couple of days ago on the Emerging Ireland Tour. So, yeah, I don't think it's worked. Look, there's nothing wrong with the tour. Um, I just don't think it's worked the bad blood it's caused for the provincial coaches and that lack of understanding of of what is, of of what's to be gained from it. And I look at the, the RFU, and it's their job, but PR-wise, they'll say, look, it's brilliant and we're going to find players, etc. But I, I still think that the testing ground for finding players up to now has been pretty good, which is, you know, be good in the URC, be good in the Champions Cup, um, get, get ahead of somebody who's ahead of you in Ireland for your province, 
and you know Andy Farrell and, and Paul O'Connell can make decisions on you then that's like that model hasn't hasn't isn't broken as far as I'm concerned I mean you know it got us to beat the All Blacks in in, in, in the summer so um, but I also and we've spoken about before I think there is an issue to get certain players more game time um, and I would be all for as I said before somebody who's who's out there trying to get game time for some of those fringe players abroad London Irish and Worcester have been up for sale for a while you know that's a bit left field but um, you know I, I think we could do another team or certainly at least 10 or 12 youngsters playing regularly Crowley been possibly going to La Rochelle a couple of years ago was an opportunity that we all thought would make sense um, but I'll never I'll never agree that a, a tour in, in September is going to solve that you know what I mean to to play the Grickas the Pumas and the, and the, the Cheetahs that uh, I, I think getting a guy away for four or five months to play Pro D2 if he's a young lot, prop um, or you know someone going to play top 14 for a period will be far better for them in terms of their development than this tour which uh, I don't think it'll ever happen again So Murray on Ben's question and on what Bernard was saying there I guess he has an interpretation, Birch, of um, the value of this tour, and he probably sees greater value in the tour not occurring, actually. You had a slightly different interpretation on Monday. I'm sure that hasn't necessarily changed. What are your thoughts? Like, uh, To what extent is this tour a worthwhile excursion for the IRFU and for um, the players involved, given that it is obviously a bit of a pain in the hole for the provinces? <laughs> Firstly, like the the sheer disdain is dripping from Birch's words there. I hadn't really appreciated at the time, but he's possibly spitting out the last few words of that. Um, yeah, he's not a fan. I'm certainly more positive or optimistic about the potential value of this, and I don't think it's going to be all 35 of these players massively progressing their careers and all even playing for Ireland. I think some of them may never be capped at senior level, um, and they'll almost weed some of them out by by seeing them up close and indeed that has been a, a bit of a case before with, with players when they get brought up to senior iron camps they see them up close and they don't like what they see and I think we can all guess you, you kind of wonder sometimes why didn't that player get more involvement but it's based on what the coaches saw on the on the training pitch so there'll be an element of that but I do think there are a crop and it may even be a small handful of players who stand to gain a, a fair degree from this Kieran Frawley um, going and, and running the attack and running the team without a senior player um, to kind of aid him in that even or or have an influence in that. Joe McCarthy working with Paul O'Connell, the same with Tom O'Hearn, developing their understanding of line-out systems, of restarts, of every aspect, the breakdown that Ireland run and, and the demands of that. Um, Rob Balakoon being back in that environment and having taken on feedback probably from previous camps and getting a chance to show that he's progressed the areas that they wanted to to progress. There's four um, kind of headline names, and I think there are another few in that in that bracket. Nathan Doak is probably one. And yes, I see that he could have had more starts back in Ulster, and I totally understand the frustration for the provinces. Absolutely get that. That's a really um, disappointing aspect of this whole saga. But I do think Nathan Doak can go in, play well in these couple of games, train really well, show them that he's ready to take that next step against the the New Zealand Mer- or the All Blacks 15 at the start of November and maybe even play against Fiji. And I can see that genuinely happening. Yeah, it actually might have happened without this tour as well. But for them to see him close up for, for two weeks, I think is, is valuable for those coaches in the, the Ireland setup. 
Ryan Jennings asks, uh, asks, taking into account the compromises which were made, compromises, quote unquote, <laughs> he uh, asks, which players who weren't eventually named on the tour do you think coaches would have actually wanted to bring? I've heard a couple of names in this regard. One of them was Jimmy O'Brien in Leinster. And obviously they've had a few, in, a fair few injuries in their back three Leinster at the start of this season. And I think there was a bit of to in and fro in there. And the RFU understood Leinster's tough position and, and he um, and his value for, for Leinster. In Munster, you, the names you hear were Keenan Knox, um, because obviously Roman Salano is going. Stephen Archer was carrying issue into the, the start of the season and they don't have the the experienced step chart at Tighthead. So he's the one who stays. Ben Healy was another. Obviously, Jack Crowley's going and, and Ben Healy's staying and and we'll get games again with Munster. So there definitely has been a bit of a bit of um, toing and froing in that regard. But there's definitely been other cases where they are who said, no, we're bringing this guy. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that Ulster would have said, leave Nathan Doak with us. He could be starting. He could be our starting scrum half in, it, in a couple of months' time. Um, so, yeah, compromises is a is a friendly way of describing what I'd say were pretty robust conversations and like relating to Ryan's question it's probably not the squad completely that Ireland would have wanted uh, to bring but I think every player they are bringing does have greater potential than is currently the case in their in their output well there is a question from Kieran who's wondering is it the tour that Ireland would have wanted so he says do you think the purpose of the tour may have shifted since its original conception it seems to have become very much a development tour for the future with Frawley being the one player they genuinely want to see in a specific position initially it appeared to be a tour to build genuine depth for the Rugby World Cup but the overall selection doesn't really support that now uh, now you've touched upon yourself Murray the fact that it does feel a lot more developmental now than uh, maybe we had understood it to be but is that an actual shift in the tour's concept or is that just us gaining a better understanding of what the tour is um, since it's been confirmed and as it gets closer yeah i think it is probably a bit of a good bit of the former and, and what kieran's talking about there um which is probably one of the concerns you have because it happened so quickly and so late as they are if you said themselves new Sephora said themselves the opportunity came up late basically toyota saying do you want to come over for this tournament that there probably wasn't a starting point in their concept. They just had the opportunity and said, let's put a, a concept on top of this, which is definitely an issue. And I and I should underline, like I, I see those problems with this tour and I hope that it doesn't have a really lasting, damaging effect in that relationship between provinces and IRFU, which is always going to be fraud anyway. But um, yeah, I suppose it has changed. I, I think that even with this squad, which is like, a level down from A like it's not Ireland A it's the next step down and that's definitely what it looks like now some of those players could and again like five, six, seven, maybe could even be in a, a kind of uh, reserve list after the World Cup squad is named and again there's value if those guys have had a couple of weeks working with Paul O'Connell Mike Cat etc and they get up to speed that little bit quicker because obviously the World Cup squads have gone up to 33 there's more scope now for accommodating for injuries, but you're going to have call-ups as, as well. And for more guys to be up to speed helps in, in that regard. So yeah, I, I think the concept has shifted very quickly a few times because it didn't start with a um, a kind of discussion of let's do a tour. It just kind of popped up and, and the RFU kind of grabbed that chance. This isn't a member's question, but I saw a clip on Twitter of Andy Dunn uh, 
I suppose, theorizing on off the ball that the entire tour, <laughs> the purpose of the entire tour is to give Frawley minutes at 10. Um, I'm sure a lot of listeners would disagree with Andy as they sometimes do, but like, is that an outlandish suggestion? Like, or, or how much is it actually about Frawley? Because he could actually be the answer to a question that we've been asking for probably five or six years at this point and just to have him embedded exactly as you say without somebody to put the hand on the shoulder or, or to sort of steer him through things the way maybe a sexton might to give him sole responsibility of that position could be that little um just a little push towards his eventual succession yeah and like it seems kind of crazy to say but if if he pushes his ireland case further on this tour and that's the only thing that comes of it and there's actually value in the tour, especially because Toad are paying for the teams to come over and you're not having that massive outlay. And and I think the provinces would be okay. Like we, we've spoken about depth in Irish rugby. We've had chats about having a fifth Irish province, about having another team because we're so concerned that enough players aren't getting enough game time. And now we're getting loads of game time over the next two weeks. Like there's extra, three extra games on top of the provinces. So um, I think that's been, been catered for. And, and yeah, for only going well would make it a, success i don't think it's the only reason um but i there has been a frustration from ireland coaches point of views points of view that they look at players like tom ahern say is another example and go like i'd love to see him play more games what's he had six starts i think and is he 22 that's kind of crazy because we all can see that he's got elite potential as an athlete and is developing all the time and, and you kind of just want to let him see him unleashed and the same was applicable i suppose to frawley and how it's funny that you know the day before he goes into camp he's playing a 10 for leinster for the second time in over two years so um maybe their mindset around that is, is shifting as well and i definitely think he has uh potential is the wrong word he's on the cusp of quickly becoming um even next best behind johnny sexton i think is is, is the scale of his ability like he's He's big, strong, he's headstrong, he's got all the skills, he's physically robust and he's a determined character. And I think one of the good things about Andy Farrell's Ireland is they've been willing to swivel quickly in a, in a couple of spots. You know, I, no matter who the Irish head coach is, if they make 15 changes every single week, they're going to be accused of being conservative. But I don't think Andy Farrell has been at all. And I, I think they're willing to see this as, okay, he could actually be the guy behind Johnny very, very soon. I think it's funny how Frawley's career trajectory from a positional sense has been interpreted because it feels as though this switch to out half is a totally new thing for him and almost a, a punt or an experiment that one that seems to be going pretty well but like he was an out half before he was a 12 if people remember like when he actually emerged on the scene for Leinster it was as probably fourth in their in their deck chart an out half and the reason he switched to 12 was because they had so much, so many options with the Byrne brothers, with Sexton, and because he had the physical stature to carry himself at 12 and become potentially that second playmaker that he has thrived as being over the last couple of years. But he's, it, it, like, it's not, this isn't alien to him either. Like, it shouldn't take, like, say if he gets two or three games in South Africa in a green jersey at 10, having already um, gotten a taste of it in New Zealand that should be kind of him up to speed at that point, shouldn't it? Like a lot of his natural playing instincts would have come from being a 10 anyway. Mm. And he grasped it so quickly over in New Zealand, didn't he? Um, the first game, they were a little 
small errors that that tends to make but by the second game he was really smooth really assured and from all accounts behind the scenes really confident in how he he drove it which is a massive part of it it's kind of the invisible thing and even when you're watching games it's hard to judge because we can't hear what they're saying or not saying and often the cameras are zoomed in and we can't see if they're actually directing but he comfortably does that as you say he's got a big bank of playing 10 and obviously not at this the, the highest level but um it's it's more kind of intuitive to him and having played other positions i think always benefits players as long as they're not jigging around their whole career uh he sees the game differently he's been in different slots he understands different demands and yeah i think we've all been waiting for it to really kick on for him and i think over the next few months that could be the case William then to conclude asks how do we measure if the Emerging Ireland tour is a success or a failure you've probably answered this in conversation here but say if it's a case that uh, we do have a genuine backup to Johnny Sexton in whom we have full confidence and that's not to be harsh on Joey Carberry to have another one to be honest would be uh, something but somebody who potentially could kick on is a little bit younger might have even more potential than Carberry we don't quite know yet um, or say if the World Cup squad is announced and you have four or five guys on standby who the Ireland coaches can trust to come in and do a job who are on this tour, I guess that makes this tour worthwhile then, does it? Yeah, I think so. Frawley, McCarthy, Doak, Balakoon, those guys being right in that mix, it's obviously a while to wait to, to judge it. Um, and also we have to get a sense of the the kind of lay of the land after the kind of initial frustration anger dies down in the province as well to assess whether that has done lasting damage so it's hard <laughs> you know we're not going to say straight after those three games against pumas grickas and cheetahs great success i think it'll take a little bit longer to assess um but i have to say i'm look, i'm really looking forward to those games ah it's more rugby like so you're delighted oh naturally <laughs> uh here's one on monster from uh jamie mcgilloway uh, he says he knows we can't get into the Farrell issue, but with him stepping away from Munster and Antoine Friesch on the Emerging Ireland squad, uh, they seem very light at the centre. A, he's wondering, can Munster recall Friesch? And B, who do we see now coming in and being given a chance in the centre? How do you think that's going to shape up? Well, Simon needs to be did say they'd be willing to kind of adjust depending on what the province is needed. It's obviously very close to it now. But certainly, it does look like Munster would need Antoine Frisch. I thought him and Fekatoa, myself and Owen discussed it on the Wednesday pod actually a bit around the centres. And we thought that Frisch and Fekatoa actually linked really nicely when he came off the bench. Um, Antoine Frisch, I could see them playing 12 and 13 together quite a lot this season. Um, Rory Scannell's had that, he got a nasty bang on the, the nose in the warm up in Cardiff. He's got a lot of stitches in there, it looks like. But um, he's obviously a robust performer for Munster. And Dan Goggin. Um, as well in that that depth chart but yeah there's a case where Munster will be thinking now we're seeing even more of the, the disruptive effect because we've had a shift in our options um, and we kind of need Antoine Frisch I, I don't I just don't know this close to to the tour um, but I think they'll be okay with Scanlon Goggin Fekatoa um, there's a couple of their back three players who could potentially shift in there and, and cover 13 I know um, obviously Earl's famously a few times and and Coombs as well Um but yeah, I do think in the longer term, Frisch will be a, an important player for them, actually. And for him, he probably would like to stay there and get settled in, having just arrived rather than darting off for, for two weeks. Um, so interesting to see what happens in that case. Mm, it will be. We will leave it there. We'll chat about Leinster, Benetton, Scarlet's Ulster, 
Stormers Connacht and Dragons Munster on Monday's Members Pod with Birch. It is members.the42.e for the Monday pod, for the Wednesday pod with Murray and Owen Toolan, and for loads more exclusive rugby coverage. Murray, have a great weekend. Thanks for that. Cheers. Looking forward to Monday's chat. Yeah, we'll catch you on Monday. Mind yourselves in the meantime, everybody. Have a great weekend yourselves. Take care. I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could offer me five mil a year. I wouldn't go. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie Robbie weekly. Then the first pass. Oh, 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 oh.